This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com breadbox. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Listen. Welcome to Shoot the Shiitake Podcast with me, Father Leo Padalinghug, a priest on a mission to bring people of all different backgrounds together. Even if we may disagree with each other, we have to learn to be willing to listen to each other as God does with us and as God intends for us to do with each other. We're not going to talk about the deep, theological, spiritual, lofty things of the faith, but more importantly, how to make these things practical by listening to one another. And this week, we have the opportunity to shoot the shiitake with a bunch of priests on a little bit of a retreat, and we're talking about the best practices or pastoral experiences from this whole corona covid pandemic it's going to be rather interesting and if you enjoy this conversation and want to support the mission just go to platinggrace.com click on support or better yet become a member of the academy because with a small monthly donation you get premium content and extra perks so for now sit back and enjoy this deep dish discussion as we talk all things covid but with a pastoral hope And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake for a very special deep dish discussion as I'm with just a bunch of priests. There are going to be probably a few of them coming in and out and chiming in with their very good opinions because they're pastoral opinions. Right now, I will just date where we are. We're in the first month of the year 2021, and I know that this conversation is going to be long-lasting because these priests have been on the front lines of the whole COVID pandemic. And what I'd like to do is just get their take on how they've handled it. So the first question that I want to ask, and there's no particular order. The priests are just going to grab the microphone. They'll get a chance to introduce themselves, and then we'll just bounce back and forth because we really are just shooting the shiitake here. One of the things I want to do is ask, what was the best practices in your parish that you kind of gleaned to try to get people back into church? Any priests want to take that first uh, response there? Here you go. Father Sam Martin, and let us know what diocese are you from? I'm from the Diocese of La Crosse, and it's a pleasure to be with you, Father Leo. I've, what really intrigued me, first of all, about your uh, shooting the shiitake is that we're going to be listening to each other. That's not one of our fortes, <laughs> but um, what we did, of course, first and foremost as diocesan priests, obedience to our bishops. So we try to listen and try to be team players. We Obviously, we respect the sanctity of human life from its beginning until its end, and there's a real consistency in our Catholic ethics. So we wanted the safety of our people. We wanted them to come to Jesus, who alone can give us the the grace that we need to become saints. And yeah, I'm going to just interrupt you right there. I, that's that's all I give him, but what did you actually do? What were the practices that you actually put into place? Listening to your bishop, he's going to be very proud to listen to this right now, but what did you do to get them back? All the protocols, you know, the uh, safe, the distancing and the masks and the washing, and take care of the pews and, and have a plan that is consistent so the people knew exactly what to do and well articulated and, and consistent, you know, and then try to lead by example. You know, we try to do things that 
we might not all agree with, and some of this stuff got politicized. But in the end, we wanted to have as many people that felt safe come to Mass because it's source and summit of our Christian life. So all those things that we were asked to do, we did. And we try to do them consistently so people knew what to expect, so they could go to confession, they could receive Jesus in Holy Communion. You have people all over the board in terms of their own personal piety. Can mm-hmm. I receive Jesus on the tongue? And to make that safe for people that, uh, you know, if everybody's watching, we all have different levels of sensitivity. So mm-hmm. we try to respect that the best that we could. Yeah, no, that's great. And you mentioned the word consistency. And one of the things I've experienced, it hasn't always been as consistent. So any of the other priests just want to kind of chime, chime in and just offer a thought as to what they did. And again, the effort isn't just simply to follow the laws because we're the church. We want to follow the laws. What are you doing to get them back? Because they haven't come back yet. Yeah, and we're also going to talk about dispensation of the obligation and all that other stuff too. So I'm uh, Father Brian Christensen. I'm from the Diocese of Rapid City. And we've had Father Brian Christensen on before. We were talking about vacations and vocations in the past. Father Brian, go yeah, for no, it. Uh, I'm uh, the rector at the Cathedral of Our Lady Perpetual Help there in Rapid City. And so as it kind of unfolded in the beginning, trying to keep things as as normal as possible, right? Uh, all those things that Father Sam was just talking about with regard to safe distancing and masks and mm-hmm. washing and stuff like that. But keeping the church open all the time, even when we were not able to have mass, the doors of the church were open, providing sanitation and, you know, those sanitizing things that are now ubiquitous around the world. And um, But we kept adoration going as for as long as we could. We've had perpetual adoration at the cathedral for um, six years uh, now. Uh, and uh, Since you got there? Well, prior to my arrival, I've been there three and a half years now. Okay, you know, was, I'm in my fourth year. As, so, if as you ever shut it there. down because people think you don't love Jesus, yeah, no, we, we have never <laughs> shut it down. We have now limited, you know, um, because some of our more vulnerable folks sure, are taking some of those, you know, two a.m., three a.m. time slots, and we just haven't been able to. So, fill what did them. you do? Do you so have kind of like we've been keeping it going now from after our seven a.m. mass every uh-huh. morning, daily mass. So from 7.30 till 10 p.m. Yep. each day. Okay. Uh, and that's been great. And we're looking now, uh, moving into the springtime, and uh, by um, Ash Wednesday, we're hoping maybe we can get back to 24-7 again with regard to adoration. Um, so keeping the church open, people can come to pray, adoration going. We never stopped our confessions. We made the confessional safer. We uh, Did you do the drive-by confessions? We never did the drive-by confessions. Because um, you just don't believe in the emissions affecting the air? Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we just never had the need. You know, we have good-sized confessionals where people can go behind the screen. Yeah. Um, even if they want to go face-to-face, uh, you know, it's six or eight feet distance apart mm-hmm. um, and those kind of things. So that's always that's been a plus to keep people in that normal habit. So of you never suspended. Any never other, suspended. Because in some places it was completely suspended. Right. No, I, our bishop, you know, didn't. But you do, also have a governor out there in South Dakota who was a little bit more proactive in trying to keep things as operational as possible. And you're in Rapid City, which is not rapid and not much of a city. <laughs> I'm kidding with you. It's a great diocese. Totally wonderful. No, you have a lot of fans in Rapid City. <laughs> I love Father my, Leo, I love the Rapid City. They love, they love Father Leo in Rapid City. Um, but no, that you didn't close it down. No, I thought even when masses were closed down. Have you, know, you heard that some priests literally just shut everything down and are still. No, I've heard that. I've heard that. But what are your, what's your thought on it without making any judgment well, on it? Well, yeah, without making any judgment on <laughs> no, it. No, yeah, on the action, oh, on the action. Well, there's different circumstances. There's different circumstances and, and laboring under the guidelines, both of the civil authorities and also under obedience to our bishop. I think that's a very different thing. Yeah, right? totally. Um, there's certain things that civil, you know, governors or 
um, city councils or, or mayors mandated or dictated to their people that really are contrary yeah. to the faith. Well, okay, so talking about contrary, the next priest that we have up right now is uh, is a little bit of a contrarian in the best way possible. The look on his face is kind of precious right now, but let's admit it. You were actually on national news because you, early on, had the quote-unquote now famous public parking lot mass. Father Stephen Hamilton. Yes, what, what diocese uh, are Archdiocese from? of Oklahoma City, which I'm afraid to ask of your opinion of that city. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, it is Oklahoma. Whether you think Rapid City is rapid or not, <laughs> mine is at least Oklahoma. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I think you know, you're asking what did any of us do um, to try to minister to people and bring them back specifically. I think it's important to state um, that at the outset, looking back on it now, I can see that the original uh, activity to bring the Mass closer to people to provide confessions that created, I don't know what you would want to say, an atmosphere, a sentiment among the flock that they saw their shepherds caring for them in unique uh, ways in, in strange circumstances. I think that created a sensitivity, maybe with the right word, among them that when we were able to go back and open up again, uh-huh. they wanted to be in those places for as much as is possible to come and, and so to gather. So I'd like to get your thought process on this, okay? The, the whole COVID thing comes out, everyone is freaking out, and I think at least for the first several weeks, we were 100% compliant. People didn't go out. I mean, there were some people who live in New York City. They literally walked through Manhattan, and there was no one to be found for several weeks. So, at what point did you say, I got to get back to work? I got to start helping the people. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in a certain sense, while it was different, I, I never really stopped. I mean, it just so how I did what I did, it wasn't like I sat down and thought really planned it out. I just thought, what can I do to bring the mass closer to my people? That's all yeah. it was. I mean, and, and maybe it's because of past days when we that. were all. How can I bring the mass closer, closer to the people? To my people? That's a big hermeneutical reality because people feel very far from yeah. mass. Yeah. They Definitely. feel very distant. Definitely. And you got And, and maybe face. it was our days together in seminary when, when in Rome, the Holy Father would have masses outdoors in front of St. Peter's. I don't know what, how I came up with the idea. All I know is I thought, I'm just going to move the sanctuary outside. And I was ready to go. I had some talented folks in the parish who helped me you know, build the, the hardware, so to speak, an altar to put outside and all these sorts of things. Um, but I just think that uh, there came a point where we're doing all the normal things we do. Yep. You know, all the things that the CDC kind of recommended, our bishops recommended. We've been at it now, you know, for weeks and weeks and months and months now, right? And I think part of this may, this may be a slight contrarian response here, but I think, I do think to some degree, a part of what's helped some of my people come back is, look, we are generally following the guidelines. We're not being sticklers about it, really. And people know that they can have a certain freedom to walk into the building and not feel like they're being checked through TSA or something, you know. Sure. And I think that makes some of them feel just like I'm ready to kind of return. I can see the things are working. We haven't had any spreading events in the church. And yeah, so a freedom, a freedom to, to just be you know free to come, I think, was is part of it, too. I love this because freedom is the one thing that Jesus came to give to us. But people are kind of succumbing to fear which is so contrary to everything that we believe is a Catholic faith. Now, Father Sam, you mentioned uh, that you wrote a letter to people about reasons 
that were good to stay home and reasons not to stay home. And I kind of want you to review that letter. Now, don't bore us with that letter. I'm kidding. No, you are actually a fantastic writer and speaker. So I love the fact that you were willing to kind of outline it for people. If all the people listening right now were your parishioners, what would they have read from you? First, uh, listening to your voice, it, it felt sincere what you were just saying, and I, uh, I appreciate, you know, I mean, that's not always been my experience. And uh, We are shooting the I shiitake think, right, right now, Father. I think that uh, the body of Christ is healthy after all. So, uh, But I, I, we wanted to make contact with our people. I mean, communion with God, is uh, we're bridges for that. That's what the sacraments achieve, and we can't do that on our own. But yeah, uh, yeah. the human element, so I called all my parishioners, especially those who are elderly. I went through the entire, you know, I don't have a big parish, but one by one I called every single one of them. And then a letter oh. to articulate, uh, you know, just to name our fears. Perfect love casts out fear. So, And that's what we have. It's a person and not an idea. And we want to bring them in communion with that person as best we can. And so we are, want to address our own fears. As priests, we're just like any other slice, you know, slice of society. We're a motley crew. We're all over the board. We have our own levels of sensitivity. And motley. Sometimes, yeah. Kind of speaking for himself right there, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you look a bit mottled, uh, Leo. That's why we do this on, on air. Exactly. It's not uh, video. It's not video. But, Shut uh, up. Got a face for radio. Keep going. But just to, to be able to help people to understand that you know what we proclaim is the Paschal mystery, which has to do with the death and resurrection of our Lord. And we we know about death. We confront it. We wrestle with it. And finally, we allow it to be sacramentalized, to be spiritualized, to give us a supernatural vision and a hope that is not of this world, but leads us, please God, day by day to the world that will never so end. So why would be the reasons not to come? All those underlying uh, health issues, things that, uh, you know, you'd be taking a risk that's an inordinate risk. I mean, yep. sometimes people didn't want to go back to work because then I'd, they'd be exposing their family. I say, mm-hmm. well, there are things that you don't have to do. There are dangers you can avoid, drinking and driving, swimming with hippos, which I know, you know, <laughs> uh, for some of us is a, you know, that's a Herculean task to avoid that. You know, that's something that we, we enjoy as a pastime. But, uh, you know. But oh, you got the first snort of the show. That was pretty funny, actually. No, yeah, but that you, you said a like, like a hippo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what what exactly were you trying to encourage people to do? Is to get over their fears, and also pay attention to common sense. Like, what would be the reasons? Say to, to how would you get them back, so to speak? What were some of those bullet points that you mentioned pre- prior to the conversation that we're recording? It's an IPF thing. We acknowledge. We're aware. <laughs> we bring it to Jesus, right? Uh, uh-huh. Just to be. Uh, to be clear about, this is a part of the human condition. We live in a risky world. We wanted a safe world. We got a free one. And freedom uh, is always something that is out of love, is, yeah. is to say there are, there's a higher calling, that some people were willing to come back immediately. Their faith was at a place where even if they were older and they, they had all these underlying medical conditions, they just wanted the chance to receive Jesus. And they knew that there was a risk to that. And that's where they're at spiritually. Yeah. But, you know, we fall into comparisons, and that's always spiritually a dangerous thing to compare that person's going, maybe I should go. But in the end, it's an examination of our conscience, and it's allowing the Holy Spirit to, to move us. We're all in different places, but we hope to have a f- common destination. That's where we want to get to. So I'm standing with a bunch of priests with, with whom I have nothing in common, really, except the priesthood. Uh, but look at we're getting along here, and uh, we're all socially distanced. And I, I, sometimes I don't think six feet is enough, really. But, uh, you know, no, we, but Sam, you, uh, you actually pricked the conscience of one of your parishioners. He, he got back in touch with you and says, gosh, you kind of make me feel bad for not coming. This is a man that's never missed Mass in his life. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, he feels that the sadness of not being able to come. And I tried to not to, you know, to say you should feel good about not coming, but to embrace that, to accept it, that there's a sorrow and yeah. being absent. And that's a, that's a holy sorrow. That's a, a separation that recognizes that I wish I could be there. 
and there's nothing there's something noble about that something good and holy about that yeah uh, so we wanted to make people feel in that sadness that the devil would use to to lead to discouragement and then all of a sudden a kind of a, a judgment against ourselves or against others and then yeah. the, the division that the devil wants we want to push that back we want to heal that if we can or allow the lord i mean to bring our suffering we still make our sacrifice whether we're in person or not yeah uh, we can lay our sacrifice on the altar and that separation that we feel is a suffering but yeah. this is how the lord saved us so we don't want to waste that suffering we don't want it to become something that was never meant to be but the devil without uh, our lord's intervention without our own cooperation with his grace uh, he'll use that in ways that are well. We felt in our own class, even here today, a certain division because of the contrarian, you know, Father Steve, and, <laughs> and we've got you know, uh, the you know, kind of the rustic. Wait a minute! This is supposed to be a. It's supposed to be a. It's supposed to be a shoot the shiitake, not you know, fling the shiitake. So, uh, so I guess you, maybe you, you, I consume you, too much of the shiitake. Yeah. I don't know. You become you are what you eat or something. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, that's one of my taglines. You've been watching my show, not. So anyway, you talked about sadness, depression, the devil. So this is a perfect segue for Father Brian. Oh, I'm kidding with you. <laughs> No, Father Bryant, you're pretty much generally an optimistic person. As much as like I've known you in the seminary, you've always been kind of positive. Hey, I was I was most positively negative when I took my COVID test last week. So uh, yeah, exactly. I've never been so negative in my entire life. I mean, like we would always know when Father Brian Christensen, then Brian Christensen, was seminarian because he was always quicker to respond to like the prayers. He was always out there so the lord be there. and also with you <laughs> hey i just want to do want to say one thing that came up you know go for we, it we we i think priests and their staffs um somehow with not having mass some people think we were on vacation or something like that but yeah. I, I see my staff and my brother priests have probably never worked so hard to try and figure out creative pastoral ways to continue to preach the gospel, celebrate the mysteries, reach out to people, as Father Sam was saying, these care calls to parishioners, um, Father Stephen's uh, amazing, you know, creativity with the the outdoor mass, whatever. Um, He was doing it for the media press. And and I I also want to say a shout out to all those priests across the country who have been heroically going into hospitals and COVID wards. For sure. When many people won't to administer the sacraments, to pray with people when families couldn't be there and the priests were there. I mean, I, I over and over again, I have an associate that was just heroic and continues to be. Today. Okay, so yeah, they'll buy you dinner. But here's what I want, here's what I really want you to do. I want you to tell me, how did you try to stay positive? What were some of the things that you did to help yourself stay positive and help your person stay positive without sounding like a cheerleader? Because that's one of the most annoying things to hear. But you did it in a very sincere way. What did you do? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things. One is just uh, my own prayer life, right? Staying close to the source. Huge. Uh, huge. Huge. Fraternity among priests, right? We couldn't all gather together in those in those days and didn't know exactly what was going on. But um, keeping a close-knit group of priests that were discussing these things, praying through these things hashing out ideas together so that was very supportive and hopeful yep. i would say priestly fraternity over this last uh, several months of the covid has been uh, a great blessing and increased and deepened as we face the struggles together okay. um, f- with and for our people but also um uh again uh you know the message the message of salvation that jesus um, is the savior jesus is our hope jesus is the way and truth in life and, and sharing that with people that he, he even though we turn the calendar, the calendar to 2021, yep, right, uh, nothing changes because you flip the calendar. Oh yeah, Everyone people think to put, that it's going to be a great reset, right? Everybody wanted to see 2020 in the rearview mirror, and I'm one of them, right? But but it doesn't change because of that, and sure. it's not going to change. I, I, you know, as good as the vaccine is going to be, right? It's going to make differences in people's lives. Well, let's talk about the vaccine. But but <laughs> the truth is, 
It's not a savior. Yes. It's not a savior. It's not going to change my marriage. It's not going to change my relationships. It's not going to... No, and, and I know, like, Father Steve is saying, like, don't talk to me about the vaccine, but we all have opinions. And by the way, this in full disclosure, we are not experts in any way possible. We are actually shooting the shiitake. We're talking amongst ourselves at dinner around a, a, a beautiful meal. And, and, and I mean, maybe, maybe Father Steve Hamilton is an epidemiologist. Who knows? He's many things to many people. But, but from a generic point of view about vaccines, about people's fears— what are going to be some of the things you say to them from a pastoral level to kind of help them maneuver through this incredibly difficult time? So I, I certainly don't know much about this vaccine, um, and I wouldn't by any means consider myself, you know, say the, the point of reference for someone kind of battling with any sort of moral question they have on this. Sure. I would turn to sources that are reliable, and I would say so far I've been relieved, actually, that I haven't had too many questions come to me yet because I don't feel prepared to answer them. But <laughs> what I would say to people if they have questions about the vaccine is I would say we need to listen to our bishops. I mean, they've already anticipated this question, uh, and I think with sound moral reasoning, they've they've presented thoughts that one can uh, rely upon. And so, if one has a question about the morality of it, I would turn to those to those sources. And the church is very consistent in her moral reasoning about the the kind of concerns one might have about the sources of a vaccine and, and what it does. The other thing I would say, though, about the vaccine is that. You know, it seems to me that um, there are people in vulnerable categories, whether that's because of age or pre-existing medical conditions. I just think from a practical perspective, um, you know, those sorts of people should be provided the opportunity to receive the vaccine before someone who's relatively healthy. So I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the picture of (laughs) of great health, um, but uh, I I don't have any real serious conditions. I'm 47 years old. And I would imagine that if I were to get, you know, the coronavirus, I would probably do okay and survive. So I don't feel like I need to get the vaccine relatively quickly. And I would not want to be in front, you know, ahead of the line of someone else who perhaps has a risk. I mean, it's like our our selflessness is obviously... To be expected from priests. But you mentioned something, and this is going to be a question that a lot of people who are listening are going to ask, but I'm hearing different bishops say different things. What do we do about that? And we hear that oftentimes even amongst Catholic public celebrities. They'll have a teaching that is slightly challenging to somebody else on a moral issue. How do you kind of help your parishioners? Yeah, I, I think that um, you're right. You will hear some differences of opinion from well-known uh, commentators. You'll find differences of opinion vo- voiced perhaps by individual bishops over others. And what I would say is I, I would point people to what comes from the conference of bishops. So the they, they could of bishops, d- together speaking right Correct. about this because I think they rely on good resources to to make those moral judgments. Now, Let's face it. I mean, in this world, I mean, we are all so divided in many ways that no doubt people are going to pick the source they want to listen to. Right. Sure. I can't. I'm not. Uh, gonna, they do that with politics. Sure. I'm not going to battle that or try to convince them otherwise. But what I would do is someone's coming to me honestly with a sincere question. I would direct them to what the body of bishops is saying, because they are consistent in that kind of moral reason. Yeah. Now, that's a good point. The body of Christ is not always going to be in perfect agreement, but there is going to be a majority opinion that's going to hopefully point to the best pastoral advice for people who are kind of freaking out right now. So what, what I want to do is just kind of ask, and anyone can do this in any order whatsoever. I've just got the microphone out right now. What was your greatest fear when this came about, and what did you learn from it? What was like your initial experience of it all, and, and how did you kind of 
grow in your understanding so that you can keep that sense of hope and faith that we're preaching? I think a fear... This for, is Father Sam, yeah, by the way. For our, all of us as priests, is, will the people come back? You know, what, what will happen now? And we felt their absence. Our priesthood is a bridge from, you know, the, the world that God has established. His kingdom is not of this world to, mm. to where we live now. And, and once that bridge, if we're not reaching our people, that we're to proclaim the gospel in season and out. And we felt this disconnect and we felt a, a, a kind of a, a frustration of sorts. And will they come back? And will we be prepared for that? Will we have the answers to their fears? Will we... Will we be sufficient in our proclamation of the gospel, living it when we live with our own fears, our own insecurities, and, and other priests are doing it this way? And so we fall into, will I be enough to, for my people? Will I be sufficient to this crisis, one that was a year ago uh, unforeseen, something that none of us really were prepared for on one sure. level? And so you would, I think a lot of us watched each other to see, to try to practice the best, best methods. And, and you know, I, we're surrounded by a, a plethora of talent in our class and in our country and in our world. There always will be men and women that the Holy Spirit will rise up, but will that be me? Will I be prepared? And I think this past year I've prayed more than any other year in my priesthood, which was to push back the discouragement, uh, judgments that I'd make about myself or about others or what this is really about. Is it a farce? Is it real? All those things that uh, can you know, militate against the peace that Christ came, a peace that is not of this world. So I think that for a lot of us, if our prayer life was sufficient, and that's where Father Brian was, uh, you know, characteristically right on t topic about that Jesus is the Messiah. Do we believe that? Do we think that he is omnipotent and that his grace is sufficient for us? And uh, in the end, it is. We know that. But now we get a chance to live it. And that's a great challenge, an ongoing one for all of us. Anyone else want to share about what they think they've, what their initial reaction was and, and kind of how did they evolve? How did they grow? Yeah, you know, it just seemed like Brian in the very Christensen beginning again? back in March, you know, it seemed like the everything was, the carpet was pulled out from under you. You kind of were on unstable ground. And, and what, what am I to do and how am I to do this? And as Father Sam was saying, do I have what it takes to do it? Hey, this is amazing. I mean, it took a pandemic for these two to actually agree with each other. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just uh, that connection with people. And I was inspired by Father Steve Hamilton's, you know, uh, outdoor masses. And on Palm Sunday, you know, we um, blessed palms and we brought them to the parking lot. And people came by for two and a half, three hours to See, receive palms that day. Some were not you allowed know? to distribute palms. Uh, it was so powerful and so beautiful. And then just after that, short period of time. It wasn't a very, about a month. You hadn't seen your people or so. It happened in the beginning of Lent. Um, to see them again and to make that connection, to the hand on their palms and the the bulletin for that week, you know, uh, it was just really fantastic. And so then right after that, you know, uh, parishioners and staff members got together and said, what can we do for Easter? And so we, the holy water that was blessed at the Easter vigil that nobody was at, you know, I mean, we were doing it sure. over, you know, you know, Facebook live. Um, we went out again to the parking lot and handed out bottles of the blessed water, of the holy water, you know, as a renewal of their baptism. And we're blessing people as they came by in their cars again. And then again, it went on for hours. Yeah. I mean, and so I think we are a connect. We're we're here for our people. And so when the people are not with us, there's a there's an absence in the, the heart of a priest. Well, it almost seems like your sense, your response was to make visible grace because people are afraid of this invisible virus. And so we had to tangibly present things to them. This is why I love being Catholic. We got the sacramentals. We got the ashes. We got the bombs. We got the holy water. We got the incense. Speaking of incense, Father Hamilton. <laughs> we even used it outside, Father. <laughs> Nobody was 
<laughs> yeah, nope, no one was coughing. So I'm going to share, uh, I guess you might say a fear, back to that last question, and a blessing maybe is the sure. right to say it. So, you know, look, initially this news is going around about some pandemic. I don't know what to think of it. I tend to not treat it real seriously. Um, and so I, I wasn't terribly concerned initially, really, for myself mm-hmm. um, in interacting with people. And I, you know, as I said earlier, you know, just kind of quickly when we were closed for indoor public masses, moved my sanctuary outside. And that first Sunday was March 22nd, I believe, of yep. 2020. And so I had, you know, outdoor mass. And uh, I finished that day after the series of masses and, you know, kind of went back to the to the rectory and the, the, the public matters of the day were finished. I was kind of relaxing and just reflecting, taking it all in and thinking about what, what had just transpired there. There was mm. this there was this tangible richness in the air when we were all there having mass, you know, people in the parking lot getting as close as they could under those conditions. I was feeling rather accomplished, I have to say, okay? Yeah, you're uh, on the news. But, uh, well, that was even before it became that. I mean, I just was sitting there the day of this happened, the first masses outdoors. And as I sat there later in the afternoon, I started, uh, I was feeling kind of warm. And like <laughs> like on my face, I felt like there was just, and and so I had this momentary panic. Like, oh my gosh, like what if this thing's you real? Like I've, I've got it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, hours after, later I'm out, I'm... And I was like, wait a minute, no, this is not the coronavirus. It's you've got pale Irish skin. You were outside all morning, bozo. And so from that point on, my my mass preparation routine uh-huh. had to be putting on sunscreen. There you go. Just a little farther away from okay. you because you're getting excited. Had to be know. putting on sunscreen. <laughs> so as part of my vesting prayers was putting on sunscreen. So anyways, but I will say this, an honest to God fear, when I got over that silliness of the initial weekend, was like, well, what if, though, I somehow transmit this to somebody i would feel terrible yeah that's a big fear for us if i transmitted this to somebody how do you know what do you do and i just thought you know i can't stop ministering to people i mean there are risks and they know there are risks and we just do the best we can um so those that was a fear but it didn't cripple me necessarily a blessing good i just want to kind of repeat that as well fear is going to be present in every one of us if it cripples you that's the problem. No, that's not good. Keep going. Yeah. A blessing, and I didn't expect this. So in doing the Mass outdoors, I just decided that uh, it really was motivated of asking God's protection over my flock, that as they drove out of the parking lot, I, I, along with my assistant priest and deacon, would station ourselves at the exit points. And as people drove by, we would sprinkle the car with holy water. Yeah. Okay? So there was you know, a, a, a prayer of protection for my flock as they're leaving. That was the motivation. But what I didn't expect was how uh, rich and you might say fun that was for me. Because it was, <laughs> it's, I mean, just because... It was as close as I could get to them. That's I could right. see them in their cars passing very nearby. It became they loved it. the new post mass narthex greeting out, you know, after mass. When people are coming in, you yeah. can't shake the hands, you can't get close, but there they are, they're smiling. Some would roll the window down, oh my gosh, the Rona's getting in the car <laughs> and say, Thank you, Father, God bless you, have a great day, have a great week. And it was that point of the shepherd's contact with those people. I just didn't expect how much that impacted me and how much I realized I need it, I missed it, and that was a real enriching and blessing uh, for me over the course of that odd time. Wow. Real quick, too, just on that point, at the in a religious community, at the end of night prayer, uh, the abbot or the abbess will basically stand at the front where they give communion, and every member will come forward, and they would sprinkle them with holy water, which is actually one of the more touching moments of a day times of, of a person's prayer throughout the day. So you were just basically kind of 
really blessing people. And please tell me you didn't have like a squirt gun like some priests did, you know? Like, uh, absolutely not. Thank you very um, much. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have any new fresh ideas, frankly. <laughs> so I just use the things the church has always used to sprinkle holy water. <laughs> which, is, which is known as an aspergillium for anyone who wants to look that up and be a liturgical geek like Father Hamilton. Anyway, Father Christensen, what do you have to yeah, say? Yeah, Father Leo. Um, oh, you're a little too the, close too. Here you one go. Of the, one, of the, uh, one, of the, one of the groups of people that you know, are marginalized in society generally are the elderly, right? Very in true. Assisted living and nursing homes. And they became even more so not being able to see their families and have regular contact with them. And, and we were not able to go in there as well um, as priests and Eucharistic ministers. And so over the time, trying to figure out ways to reach out to them, sending them cards, trying to make phone calls to mm-hmm. them, which is really mm-hmm. challenging, really sure. difficult. Um, and finally, um, getting a group of, of the nurses that go into the assisted living and nursing homes on a daily basis who are involved in our liturgical ministries, bringing Holy Communion into those places where they go normally, getting them trained and ready to go and being able to do that. That's awesome. was a beautiful and powerful, and it's ongoing now and increasing. Now more more institutions and more of the nurses in our community are stepping up to do that. So again, uh, there's a lot of challenges out there on a regular basis. Yeah. And then the coronavirus forced us to, you know, double our efforts to, to reach out to our Yeah, people. one of the Asian languages always talk about how the character for crisis is the same one for opportunity. And so this is uh, an important point uh, that that the faith grows under the weight of the cross. Father Sam, you want to say something on that point? Besides I, making fun of Father Steve? I, uh, I'm edified. <laughs> I mean, there'd be a number of blessings, but Easter Sunday stands out. I didn't realize how much I miss my people. So we had a, a blessing in the parking lot and it was packed and it was wow. kind of a, a, a bit of a snowstorm. And uh, I almost cried that day, and I'd have to say since we've reopened being at the altar, things that maybe I've taken for granted, uh, not so much now. It's a, I always say anything but quarantine, just to be together, even with uh, some of the practices, protocols, safety measures that we're uh, you know, finding inconvenient, but even so to be together. And, and with you today, Father Leo, I've never really felt that uh, I enjoyed that as much as I have right now, which isn't to say that <laughs> I never enjoyed it before, but, well, even so. Uh, but I, I think that as... Uh, By the what, way, I do have editing features on this show. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the good thing with Father Steve here, I would think you'd want to give him a good minute window in case of his live radio, but... Uh, but in all sincerity, I mean, to be together, uh, we've realized that to be in person is a different thing. So maybe the incarnation and the personal presence, Zoom is okay and all the virtual things, but we miss each other. We, are, uh, we have bodies and, and spirit and to be together uh, as we are today, mm. the four of us priests. There are other priests here, but um, obviously they didn't make the cut. And I, I understand <laughs> that. I, uh, I think that you're a more prudent man than I hitherto <laughs> suspected, Father Leo. But um, there were many blessings. And I would say that if we're redeemed by suffering, then maybe 2020 was a, a, one of our finest moments. And we won't see that until uh, more in hindsight as, as time goes forward. Mm. We recognize the blessings that have accrued, the things that we needed to uh, you know, adapt to. And we, we had to grow in ways. We were stretched for greater glory. And uh, most of us could articulate some of those now more in the future. So last question before we bring this deep dish discussion to a close. I mean, I've known you guys for over 20 years now. Uh, and and I'm not in parish ministry full time, but I ask this of everybody on the show, and it always kind of stumps them because they don't know exactly know how to answer. But I'm sure you guys will find something out. How can I help you as a priest? How can I? What can I do to help you uh, to do the work that you're supposed to do? Well, um, you this normally stumps people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and the microphone was handed to me. Thank you. Um, well, you're the genius look, with the parking so lot mass. Here, here's, so. here's something that, um, you know, I don't in any way want to sound like I'm discounting the value under strange conditions of things like virtual masses, virtual gatherings, right? Because that provided a way of connection that otherwise would not have been there. But it's not, you might maybe, it's not, we would say maybe not sufficient. You know, we need that human, we, we believe in a God who's taken on human flesh, uh, physicalness, a physicality, a proximity, a nearness. And that's, that's theological, that's divine, because God did it. It's also human. We need that kind of interaction with people. I, I don't exactly know the words to use for this, but the first uh, virtual Mass uh, I had was a daily Mass, and it really was a jarring experience. Yeah. Um, and this is going to sound maybe a little overly dramatic, but I'm not making it up. It's totally true. And since you're so overly dr- dramatic, Father Leo, <laughs> you won't balk at this at all. But um, I just was very agitated would be the word. Just, I, I, you know, nothing was right. It felt awkward. I hate feeling like I'm, I'm in front of a camera putting on a show. And the result was at the end of that daily mass, I just was so worked up and agitated. I literally came into the sacristy afterwards and just had to like lean against the counter. And just because I was just was so upset with the experience. I knew it was important and I was going to do it. And it was by no means any degree similar suffering that my people were going through by not being able to come to mass. So I would do it for them. But it just was very, it was not an experience that I enjoyed. Okay. Now it became more comfortable. How is that going to be? What, what, what does it have to do with me trying to help you? I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm kidding with you. First thing you can do is be patient. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can continue, as you already are, to just augment this type of presence, maybe we could say, you know, okay. this type of ministry that can, people can, it can reach people and they can reach out to it in a way uh, that, you know, there can't be physical proximity because you're all over the place and they're in different parts of the world too. Uh, but you can continue to augment that that is of service and it can provide a lot of grace and a lot of meaning. And hopefully that particular service drives them to what we know is the greater need, which is to that, have that very close, uh, you know, physical proximity to near nearness to one another uh, in their parish communities, more involvement and gathering as the body of Christ uh, for Holy Mass, for other prayers, and for service uh, to the poor. Um, All these things hopefully drives them back to be more living members of the body of Christ. I'm confident your work does that, and I think you can continue uh, to augment that kind of virtual presence that hopefully helps inform and drive people to share in the mission of Christ. Yeah, I'm better virtual than in reality. (laughs) Anyone else? What can I do to help? Yeah, no, the work that you do with regard to gathering families around table in an intentional way and building up families. I think families will evangelize other families. Oh, I think yeah. that's super important that um, we can't expect, you know, that to happen just based from um, as important as the sacramental life is, the central and the source and summit of it is it it has to spread from that table of sacrifice hmm. into families and from families to families, um, but also returning back to the life of the family of the parish. Right? So nice. your work that, that evangelizes families and then brings them together and then encourages them to reach out to other families, but also remembering the larger family, because I think we can get isolated again, even though I have a great family life. How does my family contribute to the greater family of God in the parish life. And so that kind of encourages, that's how you can help us, okay. is encouraging your families that are faithful listeners and doing the work, the beautiful work of family life where God is so present. Yeah. The domestic church, bring it back to the life of the family yeah. of God. I'll yell at them. Get back to church, families. Father Sam. 
Well, Father Leo, this is going to take, I mean, how can you help us? How much time do we have left on this show? Because uh, there are many things I could enumerate. Not much. If, uh, if the church was able to take advantage of this moment, I'd say it's people like you that have been pioneers, and I mean that uh, in all sincerity. That My gosh, I'm you've, blushing. You've not been threatened by the use of technology, and, and you're an evangelist to the very core. And you have a way of reaching, you know, and family is bedrock of society. It's deeper, it's, it's a culture, and it, it's way uh, in anticipation of any political regime, any government, any form of uh, of leading us is is marriage and family. And so Father Brian knows this from having studied at the JP2 Institute, and uh, that's why he took this trajectory, I'm sure. But just being who you are, Father Leo, with your enthusiasm and your kindness and your voice has given us, I mean, we're standing around a microphone here doing things that... Um, we wouldn't do except that you paid us handsomely in advance, but uh, you know, but it's a great opportunity because what you're doing is being honest and being kind, and ours is a message of a supernatural hope, one that does not disappoint. And finally, all of this is another step toward eternity, which nothing has changed in a way from 2021 or coronavirus or anything else. In the end, we put our faith in Jesus, and he's the one that animates your life, Father Leo. So you're a good priest, and I'd like to say a good friend, but I was always told not to be mendacious, on, at least not on air. Uh, so friendship, Big words. Is, friendship is a mutual thing. But I think, I think people can tell that uh, these are priests speaking today that, that love Jesus, but more importantly, recognize how much he loves us, that he chose us, whoever we are. It's like what uh, you know, St. Joan of Arc said, I'm not afraid. I was born for this moment. And uh, whatever hmm. God has in mind, uh, he's very intentional being. So these things, he didn't want this. This wasn't some divine wrath exploding the, the world that we knew, but it was a way of calling us. He permitted it because wages of sin are death. So these things happen. Microbiology is not so easy for us to figure out. And those who had complete trust in science are maybe finding that science is like anything else human. It has its limitations. It has its hmm. flaws. Christ, in his human nature, is the one who draws us to his divine nature. Mm. And so he wasn't afraid to be little, to be weak. And uh, I think that you're both of those, little and weak, Leo. But, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, that's really your genius. So it's been an honor to be a part of this and to be in your class. And all the good that you're doing, Father Leo, for that we applaud. God, God bless you. Hey, well, listen, my gosh, I've, I, I don't know how to end this thing. I want them to keep going. Uh, but listen, we are at the end of this show, but I want to come back in just a moment and share with you my carryout order. What did I learn from these priests having to deal with the corona COVID virus? When we return, I'll come back with my carryout order. And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake for my carryout order. And I first and foremost want to thank all of my special guests Fathers Martin Christensen and Hamilton, not only good friends, but amazing parish priests, pastoral leaders, and great thinkers. To be honest with you, I, I get a lot out of my conversations with them. And the one carryout order that I have is that Jesus was ever present on every one of their minds and on their lips and definitely in their hearts. And it's because of their connection to Jesus that they are able to have faith over fear. And you know, you hear them talk about how we need to get over our fear, especially the fear of death, the fear of sickness, and Christ is the divine physician. He can heal us, if not on this earth. He can deliver us into the next life. The second thing about Jesus is that in the incarnation, he wants to get very close to us. And so while I want to practice physical distance, 
especially if you're sick or if you're vulnerable. We should never practice social distance, and we should never be spiritually far from God. Jesus in the incarnation would make a lot of health officials and politicians and bureaucrats very uncomfortable with how close he wants to get to us. He wants to actually dwell within us, not stay just six feet apart. He wants to make our soul his home. And so you hear how they're talking, these priests are talking about how only an ongoing relationship with Jesus, actually more prayer, is what gets them over their own fears, their own sense of questions, confusions, and, and even sense of loss, and how their love for their parishioners is really, again, a manifestation of the fact that Christ became one of us in all things but sin. He became a human being. He was a divine person, but we can have now a personal relationship with him. And he understands what it's like to get sick and to suffer. That's the whole purpose of him carrying the cross. But to know that in him, you have nothing to fear. And I certainly hope that this conversation and deep dish discussion with these three great priests, again, Fathers Martin Christensen and Hamilton, was at least helpful to you. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with others. Subscribe to this podcast. Let others know about the great content that doesn't just give information, but formation to all of those who are taking their faith seriously. And above all, if you want to support the work that we do, please just join us at platinggrace.com. Click on Donate, and you can either make a direct donation there, or better yet, become part of the academy.platinggrace.com. And with a small monthly support and subscription, you not only help us to keep creating the content, we also can partner together and bring about conversations that lead to conversion. So thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you once again to my special guests and to you for listening. And between now and the next time we shoot the shiitake, stay hungry for God.